All right, welcome to episode 27 of Everyday Ecclesiology. I'm Daniel Greenhall. And I'm Desiree Greenhall. And our goal in this podcast, broadly speaking, is to explore what it looks like for laymen within the local church to be faithful members of one another. Another way to put that is our goal in this podcast to, is to explore what it looks like to be faithful local church members. Yeah. And Should we change it? I'm, I'll play with the wording over time. Okay. Change it up at the beginning to see if people are paying attention. Or maybe they skip to the good part where we're actually talking about the catechism that somebody else wrote that's worth listening to. <laughs> I don't know. Um, this podcast has four segments. First is who we are. I just told you that, and so did Desiree. Uh, second is what we're doing, which is a little update on our lives. Um, third is what we're learning. Uh, today's is catechism question number three. It's our fourth catechism episode, but our third question in the catechism, because mm-hmm. the first was an introduction. And finally, we'll finish with what we're reading. I think I left some things off, so we'll have to add them, because I only have two things on there for today. But there have been stuff that I've been reading slash working my way through a book, even if I haven't been reading it. So we'll get there. And I just started a book today. Was it the one I saw on the couch? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. that one Is was... that a bad book? I haven't read it. Oh, somebody recommended it to you? Yeah, it's one that I was assigned to thumb through. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. It's not There's been bad. a few things that I've been like... Mm, He's kind of an but, interesting author. Yeah. Uh, Mark Driscoll, right? But I enjoy yeah. reading things with my brain turned on, so... That's, that's good. <laughs> we'll teach our kids to do that, too. Uh, so this week has been generally just a plodding away type of week. Yeah. I mean, there have been things going on, but like having people over is pretty much normal. Yeah. Like that's a pretty much every week type of thing, whether it be just somebody popping over for a little bit to hang out and do nails. Not with me. That would be with you. <laughs> or people <laughs> come like over to- Not like screws and nails? <laughs> no, like um, a manicure. I listened okay. to- um, thinklings this morning and I really? laughed so hard when there were three college professors men talking about a manicure really yeah it oh, was man, funny. I have to listen to it now yeah I texted uh, Andy Stearns as well one of the guys on the podcast I was like that made me laugh out loud I was in the middle of a batch picking out I was listening to three college professors male college professors discuss what's a manicure <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny um, when you stop and think about it in those terms anyway so yeah, this week has been pretty much uh, plodding away. We're starting to think about homeschooling. Not like we're debating whether we're going to homeschool as much as we're thinking about what will it actually look like to homeschool? How much work is this going to be? How can we prepare now? Yeah. What do we I need mean, to have in place? Hopefully it's going to be legal. still legal. Yeah. But uh, with the way the world's looking now, we're just kind of like, we don't really have any other options. So. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it's been super windy. So. Yeah. We haven't so been able Lord to do willing, too much outside. Fall on our house. Yeah, we had somebody come out and look at a tree. There's a giant, like, 60-foot tree in front of our house that's sprawling and massive and gnarly, and hopefully the wind will blow it over into the nice open plot beside us. Thankfully, Sophia's room is, like, the furthest from it. Yeah, it pretty much shouldn't hit Sophia's room. Yeah. So even if we die, Sophia will be left an orphan that somebody yeah, will find in a couple happens. of days during a meal or something, and she's in her high chair, and I can't get her out fast enough. Yeah, then she's doomed. Yep. Um, but hopefully we'll get that taken down. That'll be yeah. a little bit better. Um, we got new locks on the house too. That was mm-hmm. fun. I got to do a little bit of lock rekeying. Mm-hmm. I remember growing up, we played Nancy Drew video games and sometimes you'd have to pick a lock to get into some place and investigate. And it was always like, they made it into like a puzzle game. That's not actually anything like picking a lock, but it gave you some idea of this is how a lock works on the inside mm. kind of. And so it was fun to be able to actually pull out the lock cylinder and see the little pins that have to line up so that it can twist and unlock and move the deadbolt. And 
I actually got to rekey a lock. So I got to use a little chart to see which pins go where and which which pin sizes does this style of lock use. And anyway, I got to do it. It was pretty fun. And now we actually have locks that we can lock and unlock on our house, which is yeah, quite a luxury. Nice. Yeah. I never really had to lock the house growing up, but now I think because of the neighborhood we're in at this point, that not because we don't trust our neighbors, but because Des Moines is not exactly a low crime district. Right. I don't think it's more, I don't think it's our neighborhood. I think it's more the city we live in. Yeah. In general. Yeah. Because yeah. our neighborhood's pretty okay. But uh, my dad was fond of saying locks keep honest people honest, which makes some sense. Like if somebody wants to break in, they'll find a way to break in. Right. But if somebody's like, oh, maybe I could just sneak in and grab something and oh, it's locked. Well, okay. I don't want to put in that much effort. So it's a, I don't it's know if a I'd dissuader. call that person an honest person well, anyway. Not really. <laughs> but but it, it helps dissuade from theft. Yeah. So that's kind of nice to not necessarily feel secure. I'd be able to lock our home at least it was a responsible thing to do we also planted some onions and found we have sage yeah that's pretty exciting you even got to cook with some yeah yeah it worked i don't out know if well. i cooked with it correctly i feel it like usually good. people use sage as like putting it in your um stock stock like chicken stock. Oh, I was thinking something. like a stock of corn or stock somebody yeah. otherwise you just use your sage when it's dried do you ever wonder how they came up with the position of night stalker. Like stocking shelves. Yeah. Like, how would you like to go to, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a night stalker. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> you just wouldn't say that. You just say like, I stalk shelves at night. Yeah. Uh, and I also applied for a new position at work, which is kind of exciting. I'm not anticipating getting it, but it would be nice to get hours that work better with our family. So mm -hmm. if you want to pray for us in one regard, pray that I would be content whether or not I get it. But also yeah. it'd be a request yeah, that too. I'd be able to get some better hours. I think I like it more than you. The better hours? Yeah. Yeah. It would work out pretty well. But if not, I mean, God's still the one that gives me whatever hours I have. So yep. I'm thankful that I have a job and that there are openings already. So, All right. What are we learning? Last week, do you remember the question we looked at? Well, no. that would technically be two weeks ago. It would be how many gods are there? Oh, okay. And this week, uh, I got to zoom in a little bit, ties into that. Well, it doesn't tie into that, but is in some ways related. It's not completely distant. What's the question this week, Desiree? Maybe we should just say that. <laughs> how many persons are there in God? Yeah. So instead of asking how many gods are there, we answered that question. There's one God. Mm -hmm. Now, Scripture talks about, as we mentioned last week, that there are other things that people worship. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are other people that God has put in power that sometimes gets translated as the word gods in scripture, but there's only one God. But then we look at the question and we want to understand what does the Bible teach about how many persons are there in God, which sounds like the same question, but it's very different. So let's see how Pastor Danny answers it. Well, how Pastor Danny claims that scripture answers it, which we would also ascribe to. Desiree? Mm -hmm. Read the answer. Yeah. Okay. God exists eternally in three perfectly united yet distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are one God, the same in essence, but different in function. Yeah. So there's one God, as he says, they are one God, which sounds like an oxymoron, but it's not. That actually makes sense. But it's same in essence, but different in function. So we're definitely going to have to break this down a little bit. But what's the one scripture that... Uh, he puts with this to help people memorize, to help, in our case, laymen within the local church have a verse to go to, a reference, a simple 
starting point for answering this question. What's the verse that he puts there? 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Which is? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Hmm. Oh, that's a cool verse. You never read They're that? They're all before? in there. Yeah. I'm sure I've read it before. Okay. But. okay. Um, so 2 Corinthians 3, 13, 14. That's why it sounds funny because I didn't actually have my headphones turned on. I wondered why we were all so quiet. <laughs> There we go. Have second... we been like clipping this whole time now? No, no, no. I've been oh, watching okay. the waveform. Oh, there I clipped a little bit. I got to fix it. It's a it's a work in progress. I'm going to have to make marks on here eventually. So uh, under explanation, I think we'll go ahead and rotate, alternate every other paragraph. I think that okay. works pretty well to where we both get to read a little bit. Yeah. Um, and they don't have to listen to me drone on the whole time. <laughs> um, so this first part of the explanation, he'll break it down. But he starts by saying, this is the question where we need to to especially keep close at hand the truth that God is one. Why? Well, because now, with this question, we learn that God is also three while still being one. We, we looked at that even in the first question. So the first two questions tie in very closely to this one. That are, there are three truths. Yeah. Huh, three, three persons in the Godhead, three truths that we're looking at here. That's kind of funny. But um, there are three truths that are, all need to be held as true, even though they seem given just like a cursory glance, they seem contradictory, but they're not. So we're going to dive into that uh, perceived or actual tension and, mm-hmm. and explain what this looks like. So he says, well, because now with this question, we learn that God is also three while still being one. Really? Most definitely. Does this make sense? Actually, it's very difficult to understand because we're human and God is not. We can't understand this truth without truth about God fully. And yet, if we take God at his word, And with his help, we can understand it truly. So what does it mean that God is one and three at the same time? Now we have a pretty good question to delve into. Mm -hmm. Where does he go from there, Desiree? He says, God exists in three distinct persons. There is only one God, and that God is one. He's not, and he cannot be, three separate or distinct gods. He is one God. But the Bible reveals that this one God, while being one God always and forever, is one God in three persons. Persons is not the word that the Bible uses to refer to God or the truth of his threeness. And in fact, the Bible doesn't use any particular words to describe the threeness of God. For example, we also use Trinity and Triune, but they cannot be found in the Bible either. Hmm. So it's okay, as a side note, to use words that aren't found in Scripture. Mm -hmm. to describe concepts we do see in scripture. Now, that's not the same as naming something and then pretending we understand it. Have you been exposed to that idea before? No. Like um, gravity. Okay. Well, uh, if we call it gravity, that that sounds much less um, mysterious. Uh, Let let me give a better example of this that is presented as an example in a, a kid's film that is not to prove a point or anything, but it does serve to prove this point. So have you seen the movie Over the Hedge? Yes. Okay. Do you remember it mm-hmm. well enough? Okay. Listener, if you haven't, that's okay. You don't need to waste your time. I thought it was a funny movie. But mm-hmm. um, the premise is, I won't give any spoilers, that there are some animals that are foragers. They fill the log, they hibernate during the winter. So one winter they hibernate, they wake up, and all of a sudden they're going out to venture to the to forage again because it's the beginning of the year and they see a giant hedge which to animals is gigantic well it turns out there was a neighborhood that was put in and most of their forest is gone and there's a hedge all the way around their little area Mm -hmm. preserve thing but they've never seen a hedge before 
They have no idea what this thing is. And so they're, they call the, the leader of the, that's a turtle. They call him over to look at it and like, oh, no, what is this thing? I don't know. It's a little bit scary. And I've never seen anything like it before. And then one of them says, let's just call it Steve. And they're like, oh, I like Steve. It's much less scary when it has a name. So they just name it. And then immediately they're just much less scared of Steve, mm-hmm. even though they have no idea if it's going to attack them, which is something that they're thinking about. Right. Like, let's just call it Steve. And then immediately they're like, oh, well, we understand this a little bit better now because we've yeah. named it. But that's not at all true. Do we really understand gravity? No. I mean, yes, we we can quantify it and we can note what it does. And as much as it abides by the laws of nature until unless God decides to intervene supernaturally, it abides by natural law. And we we know and we can predict it. But that doesn't mean we understand it just because we're like, oh, that's gravity. And we think we understand it just because we've named it. But we really don't. We okay. just think so. That's a very different thing from what Pastor Danny is getting at here um, when he says that we use the word Trinity and Triune, um, but we use those words because they do actually help us better understand what's going on. So that caveat was to say that's not what's going on. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was a very very <laughs> long caveat. Sorry about that. I got to turn you down a little bit. You're getting a little sorry high on the meter. No, you're good. You turn down so you can okay hoot and holler if you want now. <laughs> Okay, so rather, where did you leave off? Uh, we we use Trinity and Triune, but they cannot be found in the Bible either. And that's okay. I'm adding this as a side note to use a word that's not found in the Bible, as long as it's not just, oh, we'll name it and pretend we understand it. Yeah. That's not what's going on here. This actually, this name will be explained. The concept will be explained. We'll see it in scripture. That's just a word that helps us um, have a word for what's going on. But we'll also get to an explanation. Maybe I shouldn't have but in there and that wasn't really helpful if so well just ignore the past two minutes (laughs) go ahead desiree oh rather the bible demonstrates his three-in-oneness the word persons along with the word nature or substance or essence has been used by christians for many many years as a way to help us understand and describe god accurately when we use nature to refer to god we mean god in who he is as god that is his godness When we use persons to refer to God, we mean God in how he expresses himself personally, relationally, functionally, that is, his personhood. And we use persons rather than personalities, for God does not have three personalities. Yet he does have, or more precisely he is, three distinct persons. Now when we use nature and persons together in this way, it's a little bit like saying, I am human like you are human. We both have a human nature, but I am a different person than you are, and you are a different person than I am, even if we have similar personality traits. But stop right there. Why? Well, you and I, though we are both human, we aren't the same human. We don't share one nature. And further, you and I, though as two different persons, we might be able to get along with each other, we aren't perfectly united as different persons in the same human. Yet this is who God is. He is one in nature and three in persons, not three gods, nor three personalities. That was quite a lot to unpack. You may end up having to go back, and there's some things I'd like to expound upon, but I'll probably just reread how he defines nature and persons, because I think that's the most helpful. So when we use nature to refer to God, we mean God in who he is as God, that is, his godness. So, actually, I think that's about the best way to explain it. At least, I don't have a better way off the top of my head to explain it. 
Yeah. Um, and when we use persons to refer to God, we mean God and how he expresses himself, not necessarily who he is, but what he, how he has chosen to show himself. So you have a nature and that nature is expressed through your like personality, your relations, how you function. Mm-hmm. That's what he's getting at, I think. Okay. But we'll go ahead and move on. Um, God exists as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So here we get a little bit more into the weeds on the, what does it mean that he's three in one? So Pastor Danny says this, these are the three and the only three persons of the one God, no more, no less. This is how the Bible talks about the personhood of God. And it can be helpful to think of the personhood of God as three persons who have different jobs. The Father has a job, the Son has a job, and the Holy Spirit has a job, and they are each known by their jobs. But the three persons aren't simply what they are because of what they do, but because of who they are. So the three persons um, are what they are because of who they are, not because of what they do. Right. Does that make sense? So we don't say, oh, I think this action is something that God did. That must mean it was the Holy Spirit. So we don't say, because they did this, that makes it this. We say, because they're this... That's who they are, not yes. because they did this. Yes. They don't become a person because of what they did. Right. Um, that is, the father does what he does because he is the father. We might think of it like this. What makes a dad a dad is not when he does dad things, but that he is a dad. Does that make more sense? Yes. Okay. Meaning he has a son or daughter, and a dad has dad things to do because he is a dad. In a similar way, though definitely not the same way, this is like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Who the Father is as the Father, the Son is not, nor is the Holy Spirit. They each have different functions as three different persons. Jesus, the Son, in what happens to him and by what he says, clearly affirms the difference between the three persons of the one God. At the beginning of his earthly ministry, pardon me here, I have to scroll, that's much better, the Son (laughs) is baptized and both, sorry, let me start that sentence over. At the beginning of his earthly ministry, the Son is baptized, and both the Father and the Holy Spirit give distinct testimony to the distinctiveness of the Son. In his relationship to the Father, the Son often mentioned that he was sent by the Father to do what the Father commanded, and he would return to the Father. In his relationship to the Holy Spirit, the Son also instructed his disciples that after he returned to the Father, he would send the Holy Spirit, who would both minister to them and bear witness about him in the world. All three are distinct persons with distinct with different functions. So did his example of a dad doing dad things because he's a dad make a little bit more sense than right. my earlier attempt at an explanation? And it's not, that guy took it, took some kids sledding. He must be a dad. Or that's what makes him a dad. Right. Correct. It's, yeah. Well, I took them sledding because I'm a dad. I'm a dad, therefore I do dad things. Yeah. Not, I do dead things, therefore I'm a dad. Mm-hmm. I do dead. Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, babysitters would be moms. That's true. Yeah. I mean, okay, there's a difference, and that's not a perfect analogy, but yeah, <laughs> it helps us down that road. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next paragraph. These are big paragraphs today. Yeah, this one's long. Well, it's a difficult doctrine. Yeah. And he could have just said, well, God is who he is, and we can't fully understand it because we're man. So there you go. Yeah. But he did, and he's like, well, there's more that Scripture tells us, so let's look at all that Scripture tells us and understand it as best we can. Because it is true that God is infinite, and we have finite minds. Mm-hmm. So even comprehending an infinite being isn't fully possible for us, yeah. right? But 
there is some stuff that he has chosen to reveal in his words, so that's what we're looking at. But it is a bit chunky. Yep. What's next? Sorry. Okay. God exists eternally in three perfectly united yet distinct persons. The Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. So there are three gods? No. They are all three the same God, and each one of the three is fully God. Hmm. If we were to use percentages, we might say that each of the three is 100% God, not 33.3% God. In contrast, I could never say of my arm that it, that it on its own, was either 100% me or 100% human. Mm-hmm. They have the same one nature. They are one God, while functioning as three distinct persons. So though the Father functions differently than the Son and the Holy Spirit, that is, they have different jobs, it's not as if either the Son or the Holy Spirit are somehow less fully God than the Father is because they have different functions. No. Who the Father is as God, the Son, and the Spirit are as well. And as one God, they are also perfectly united in their different functions. Though they have different jobs, they don't work against each other or even separate from one another. Not at all. In their functions, they work perfectly together. What the Father does, he does in perfect union with the work of the Son and the Spirit. And do you know what else? All of this is true of God all the time. God has always been and always will be three perfectly united yet distinct persons in one God. Wait, so Christ didn't begin to exist at his conception? No. Okay, so Christ existed beforehand. Yes. And he was God forever. Mm-hmm. But he became man at his conception. Yes. Hence we have the incarnation, the taking on mm-hmm. of human flesh, becoming man. So it wasn't a birth of a new being. I mean, yes, a man was a new man was formed, but God, Christ, always existed. He just mm-hmm. wasn't always man. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure that'll come up later in Christology. But Probably. Right now we're on theology proper. Okay. Do you remember where you were? No. All of this is true of God all the time. God has always been and always will be three perfectly united yet distinct persons in one God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit exist eternally as the three in one God. Jesus clearly testified of his perfect union with the Father. And the Apostle Paul clearly demonstrated the perfect union of the Son with the Holy Spirit. But probably no clearer verse can be found where all three are referenced than in the Great Commission where Jesus commands the disciples to baptize other disciples in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These three have always been together and always work perfectly together. All is the same one God, and they always will. So I didn't start with verse references. There were a couple of them in there. We'll get to them at the end. I should have started with those, but I forgot this week. I was thinking about that. Yeah, I want to do that again. Uh, I want to continue doing that like we did two weeks ago, but I forgot. So we'll go ahead and wrap this up uh, with the last paragraph, and then we'll go ahead and read through the passages that are referenced. And as usual, I'll put them in the description. I think I've gotten them every time. I'm sure somebody will let me know if I didn't. All right, so the last paragraph here. Another verse that includes all three persons together is 2 Corinthians 13, 14, which is our verse for this week. Not only are all three referenced, but each one is referenced in a distinct way and in union with the other two. First, Paul connects the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, with grace, the Father, God, with love, and the Holy Spirit with fellowship. Hmm. Each one is involved in contributing something distinct, yet related. 
Second, Paul connects all three, the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, as equally contributing, meaning they are all involved as God in giving to believers for their good, for my good and for your good. This is what the Bible teaches about God. All right. Any any thoughts? Bring back memories of doctrine class and the questions people would ask about uh, I guess really in our circles there weren't really that many questions about how going to be three and one we're just like yeah we know yeah yeah we just accept it mm-hmm. I mean the I was going to say the the doctrine of God as triune dates back to Augustine but it dates back to infinity past because God has always been right and the doctrine <laughs> has always existed but uh, one major um, turning point in human understanding of the triune nature of God. Yes, I worded that correctly. It would have been Augustine's work. Uh, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but I thought it was like De Tunitat or something like that. It's Latin, so I don't know how to speak Latin. Sounds like a flavor of popcorn. I think you got popcorn on the brain. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's his work on the Trinity. So he worked through um, trying to piece together the tension between how can there be three gods mentioned father son and holy spirit but we only serve one god so he worked through um, piecing some of that together and um, helped in some ways people understand that the doctrine of the trinity a word that's not really used in scripture but is present in scripture Mm. Um, so what are the what are the verses that are referenced in here that i'm going to put in the description Uh, the first one is luke chapter 3 verses 21 through 22 Mm -hmm. you want me to read it yeah Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. And then verse number 2 is John 5, 36. Uh, But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. That was Jesus speaking, by the way. Oh, okay, so well, that, that was shows, me speaking, but in the text, that was Jesus speaking. That shows two. Mm-hmm. Okay. John fifteen twenty six, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you for the Father, from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So there's all there's three the, persons. All three, because that's mm-hmm. Jesus speaking. Yep. Uh, and John 10, verse 30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Well, Okay. There's at least two in one that's mm-hmm. very clearly stated, and then it's only a hop, skip, and a jump to the all three in one. Mm-hmm. Romans 8. Ooh, Ro- I'm going to take this Ro- one. You can take Matthew 28. This is a verse. Never mind. Go ahead. Okay. Romans 8, verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And Pastor Danny says a note here how the Spirit is the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ, demonstrating both the distinctiveness and union of the Holy Spirit with the Father and the Son. Hmm. It's a helpful note. Mm-hmm. Okay, Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen to 20. Yep. We should be familiar with this one. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There we go. That was all six references. I'll throw them in the description as well, like I said. And that is going to wrap up question three of the catechism. Certainly there's more that could be said about the doctrine of the Trinity, Mm -hmm. but suffice it to say that's, that's enough. 
for uh, a simple catechism. And hopefully that verse will be one to reference to to show the to support the existence of yes, there's a, a three persons in one, but one God. All right, that's what we're learning. We learned a little bit about it, and now to top it off, or to wrap it up, it's not really topping that off. What are we reading? You said you started a book. Do you want to share? Um, I think it's called "Who Do You Think You Are." Yep, by Mark Driscoll. Mark Driscoll. Yep. yep. How far I know you? Introduction, first. Page? Oh, I didn't get to finish the first chapter. Okay, so you're on the first chapter. So it's not like, oh, I think it's a great book, or oh, I think it's a terrible book. No. It's a, uh, I have no idea yet. Well, I mean, so far I've already been. Um, there's already been several things that I'm like, uh, do I actually think scripture says that? And then I'm not past the first chapter, so okay. we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's just things for me to consider, not that they're actually wrong. Mm-hmm. It's not things that you're like, I'm pretty sure scripture doesn't says that. It's things that you're like, hmm, I want to know how he gets there. Right. Like, is this a way that I was raised? Mm-hmm. Because I, I think I, not necessarily how I was raised, but I think in the church era uh, that we kind of grew up in a lot of the times it seemed if christians were having fun or being super happy then you were doing something wrong Hmm. okay so some of the things that he mentioned i'm like wait is this is it scripture that's causing me to think this isn't right or is it kind of how i grew up that's interesting that ties into a podcast i listened to today uh, and asked pastor john about humility i think it was about and it mentioned something about um, uncontrollable laughter. I mean, that wasn't the topic or anything, but it was mentioned in passing. Um, something about laughter being tied to humility. But mm. interesting. Um, I'm reading, meaning I'm... Wait, sorry. If you're having uncontrollable laughter, does that mean you're humble? No, that's oh. not what he was saying. Oh, okay. But there was a, a connection that he made. Okay. I won't try to explain it because I was listening yeah, while fine. I was picking. Yeah. Um, I'm reading, I'm not actually looking through a book, but I'm listening to the audiobook of, uh, Notes from the Tilt-A-Whirl by N.D. Wilson. And I'm about halfway through at this point. And I've been actually listening. Like I didn't, I don't really listen to it while I'm picking because that takes a little bit of mental, I have to keep listening to a headset mm-hmm. and responding and speaking. So it's hard to listen, especially to this book, but while I'm receiving and it's just like, moving cases and I don't have anything else to listen to. It's just listening to that while I do mindless work. Then I've been listening to it quite a bit or while I'm forklifting because that's not requiring my ears to do anything else but listen. I I mean, passively listen for honks, but that's it. And my mouth doesn't have to speak anything that'll interrupt the speaker. So it's a lot easier to listen during those times. But I appreciate a lot about the book so far. There are a couple of things about the book that I don't appreciate. Uh, namely language that I wouldn't use. Yeah. Um, which I found interesting, but I'm going to have to, I'm sure that there's a reason that that's consistent with why he writes the way he writes, but I don't understand it and I don't think it's right. But I don't think that's a reason for someone to completely discount the book. I mean, if you're going to say, I'm not going to read anything, well, that's a side note. I won't go into it. But I don't think that's a reason to completely throw out the book just because there are things like that that you don't, agree with or appreciate but i do think where he's going with the book has been quite helpful the subtitle is wide-eyed wonder at god's spoken world and that's a pretty apt description of where he's going i can also see why a lot of people would not appreciate this book because it's like if you listen to me ramble for five hours Mm -hmm. um there's not like 
it, it's not the regular structure of a book. It's him looking at events, looking at ordinary things in life through fresh amazement or lost amazement. I don't, I don't know if that's the correct tense of the word amaze, but um, it's him looking at life and saying, do you really realize how crazy this is? Mm-hmm. How amazing the world is? Like we have beetles that shoot fire out of their butts. <laughs> it's pretty cool. But even simple things, he's able to look at and break down and ca- help the reader to to perceive all of the crazy nuances and things and the and the majesty of God's power and the beauty of the canvas of the world, as he's going to refer to mm-hmm. it a couple of times. Uh, and I think it's very helpful in that regard. It's It reminds me, it's, if I can use these words, it's Job-esque. Okay. Does that make sense? When yeah. God finally comes to Job out of the whirlwind, uh, finally, it was at the perfect time. But when God, toward the end of the book of Job, comes to Job, speaks to him out of a whirlwind, and we see Job wide-eyed in amazement at the majesty of God. It's not God speaking, and it's not that amazing, but it's similar. It's in a similar vein to that. Okay. I think that helps yeah. me track better with where he's going and understand that he's going to bounce around and do crazy things. Yeah. I um, just, I can't, I don't think I can listen to it as an audiobook. Yeah. I definitely want to plow through it as a physical book now. I think that's one thing the audiobook has encouraged me to do is actually sit down and read this one. But I do appreciate that audiobook specifically because it's read by the author. So he's able to yeah, use inflection in his nice. voice to actually portray what he was trying to communicate mm-hmm. in sentence structure, which sometimes can be a bit tricky. Now he's a good author, so it, he's a he's a skilled penman would be a better yeah. way to put that. Yeah. So it would probably be easy to pick that up. The expression that he's uh, communicating in an audiobook could probably be picked up off the page as well. Yeah. But I especially like when the author reads because then you don't have to worry about him not knowing what's com- ne- coming next or not knowing what kind of inflection the author was intending. So right. I've been appreciating that one. And uh, then also The Last Battle. Yeah. We are last book. halfway through it. Yep. We haven't read too much in that. There's been other things mm, going on. We read a couple away. of chapters. I think we read four more chapters. Yeah. Rather than four chapters at a time, it's usually one or two. Yeah. So we're looking to finish that one up. And then we'll probably take a break. Well, I think we should take a break from fantasy after we finish Chronicles of Narnia and read some another book in between. Um. You're looking at me with a blank stare. Yeah, sorry. Oh, okay. Keep going. Because um, I'd like to plow through Lord of the Rings and plow through Ringfeather Saga and plow through, um, uh, what was the other one I was thinking of? The Ashtown Burial Series or something like Hundred Cupboards because those sound pretty cool too. And I want to understand and decide whether or not I can recommend them to people. There's a guy at work actually that reads quite a bit. And so I want to plow through those, but I think it'd be good to take a break and switch it up and make myself read something other than fantasy for a little bit. But we're trying to finish up last battle and we will, and then we'll do a, probably a recap favorite parts of Narnia, something like that. I'll, I'll find a creative way. I hope that would be fun to structure an episode around. You couldn't share any spoilers. Yeah. I would have to, put some definite capital letters and exclamation points in the description if they were spoilers. Yeah. Just so that people know not to listen or to to skip or be okay with spoilers because some people are fine with it. Yeah. But that's what we're reading. We're hoping to finish things up and I've really been enjoying the the new book from Andy Wilson. But we when could, that one's done as well. We could read Anne of Green Gables. 
We could. That's also fiction. Maybe we should read something non-fiction. Fiction? That's like a novel. Yeah, it's a fiction oh. novel. Well, but it's real life. It's realistic. Yeah. But it's still fiction. Well, that's dumb. You just said Anne of Green Gables is dumb? No. Oh, okay. We can read Anne of Green Gables, just no, probably not to. right next. I just I would enjoy to know it. what you're... I would enjoy it. I've only seen the, the movies, and I'd like to read the books. They're okay. probably better. All right. That should wrap it up for this week, meaning we should be done because we're 36-ish minutes in, which isn't too bad. Yeah. It's not, as Katie said, a good, hearty 45-minute podcast, yeah. but it's a nice, decent 36-minute podcast, and at this point, I'll just be rambling. So <laughs> thanks for listening this week. Um, it was good to walk through another catechism. I would I say with you in quotes, but it's not really with you. If you're not here, it's not with you, no matter what YouTube tries to say. <laughs> we can't be alone together. That's That doesn't work. Anyway, that's going to wrap it up for this week. And until next time, keep serving or start serving within your local church. Bye. Bye.